Now this morning we're, uh, we're wrapping up our message series, This Year Can Be Different, with a conversation that I'm calling Redeem the Time. And so uh, look at least three people in the eye, give them a high five, and tell them, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Redeem the time. Okay, but before we, before we go there, I, I, I want to uh, tell you where we'll be heading next week. And, and I just figured it out this past Friday. You see, though, I admire them greatly. Uh, I'm not the kind of pastor who is able to map out his entire year of sermons. What I do is when I'm wrapping up a series, I begin to say, okay, I got to figure out what God wants me to uh, share next. And, and, uh, and so this is what I want to talk about. It, here's a new series coming up. It, it's called uh, Overcome the Challenges We Face. And, and I think I don't need to tell anyone here that as we live our lives, that we encounter many obstacles and roadblocks and difficulties and desert places that, that we need to overcome in order to, to live the life we want to live. Now, I'm going to kick off the series next week with a series I'm calling um, Reversing Anxiety. I don't know about you, but, you know, worry and anxiety have frequently been a challenge for me. I'm kind of anxious about my message today, to be honest with you. And, uh, and listen, when you think about it, you know, there are so many challenges that we face, so many obstacles, so many things that we could talk about that this could be a 10 to 12 week series, but it's only going to be four weeks long because I'm actually ahead of the game because I, I know that on March the 17th, we're kicking off another new series that'll take us a little bit through Easter called I Love My Church. And on the screen back here, you should see something coming up real quick. This is on the screen right there. There you go. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm, next week I'm doing anxiety, right? And, and then, you know, here are some other obstacles people face, right? Overcoming hurt, overcoming insecurity, overcoming temptation, discouragement, overcoming yourself, overcoming depression, overcoming fear, overcoming loss. And what we're going to do is, that's my phone number there, all right? You can text me sometime during the service or by the end of the day, your top three choices in rank order, right? Like your number one choice will be worth three points, your second choice worth two, your third choice worth one, or you can put this on your connection card. And what I'm going to do, I'm letting you guys choose the topics we're going to be talking about, right? If you don't fill this out, you're just going to be talking about every, all my issues, right? You're, you're going to be welcome to a, a counseling session with Steve, right? But I just encourage you to do that. I got unlimited texting. Just text them in there, your first, second, and third choice of things that would help you in your life that you need to overcome. And I, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. And again, I encourage you to do that, okay? Now, you get to choose the topics. Okay. Time to wrap up this series, This Year Can Be Different. Do you actually believe that? That it can be different? Well, it can, right? If, if you grow like Jesus, and Jesus grew in wisdom, and stature, and favor with God and with man. In other words, Jesus grew intellectually, physically, uh, relationally, and he, he grew spiritually. Uh, uh, this year can be different if you embrace these three things. Number one, thing number one, forgetting what is behind. Uh, thing number two, pressing on to what's ahead, to becoming more and more like Jesus. And like I've said, 
Becoming like Jesus is a daunting task, but it's not about how, it's about where. It's about putting yourself in places, right, where the Holy Spirit can do his work in your life. The way we've been talking about it is like that seed in the ground. You put the seed in the dirt, the farmer goes to bed, he doesn't know how it's happening, but yet the seed grows. So put yourself in the dirt. Um, Thing number three was trust in, lean not, and acknowledge him. This sure can be different also if you adopt the philosophy of what does it matter, right? What does it matter what happens to me because I have chosen my calling over my comfort? What does it matter? What does it matter what other people say about me because I'm living for God's approval, I'm living for an audience of one, I'm not living for man's approval. Now, That's all I can say about the last four weeks. But I want you to know that everything that I have taught has been 100% biblical. And if you will strive to live it out, I guarantee that your year will be different, it'll be better, it'll be brighter, it'll be bolder. Now, if you miss any of these messages, I cannot encourage you enough to check them out online. Maybe even listen to them again. I plan on doing that because sometimes when you're talking, you... Can't always hear. I'm going to listen to them again because I, I want this year to be like my blowout year, right? You know, the crazy year. Okay, let's do this. Week five, this year can be different if you redeem the time. You know, time is kind of the great equalizer, right? And when it comes to time, there's not an upper class, a, a middle class, or a, or a lower class. In fact, this year, every one of us will get 365 days. We'll get 8,760 hours. We'll be given 525,600 minutes, 31,536,000 seconds, right? That's what you're going to get. I'm going to get the same thing. I can't get any more, right? I can't buy any more. As Moses prayed, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And check out these words that Paul wrote to the church of Galatia in the fifth chapter of his book. He said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time. Now, the word redeem comes from the Greek word exagorazo. Exagorazo, and it means to, to, rescue, to rescue from loss. Which is probably why the NIV translates it this way, make the most of every opportunity. Now, now there's two words for time in Greek. The first one is chronos, and the second is kairos. Chronos is where we get our English word chronology. It's calendar time, it's clock time. Chronos is sequential, past, present, and future. And it's, it's linear, it moves in one direction. Now, according to Greek mythology, Kronos was a short god with muscular legs and wings on his feet. It was like really, really fast. So fast that, that once he passed you, it was impossible for you to catch him. And so, so to symbolize the transient nature of Kronos, he had a full head of hair in the front and was completely bald in the back. In other words, you can never grasp time again once it has run past you. Uh, one last observation. Kronos is a human construct. 
It's how we humans measure time. But listen, our God does not exist within the space-time dimension that he created. He is the great I am. He just is. He's beyond time. With him, there is no past, present, and future. A thousand years in your sight are like a day They're just, that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Seriously, think about that for a minute. Think about the greatness of our all-powerful, all-present, always existing, beyond time God. It's crazy, right? It's something that our finite minds cannot even grasp, his greatness. So we need to be careful not to put our God on our clock, to put our God on our timeline. Uh, By the way, if you know this, it was not until the 14th century that man invented what we know as a mechanical clock. However, that clock did not have a minute hand. In the 1500s, the clock at Wells Cathedral in England began to chime every quarter hour, so so time was speeding up. Uh, Then around 1670, the minute hand finally became commonplace. And it was not until the 18th century that portable timekeeping devices were invented. And then in 1786, England exported 80,000 clocks and watches, and we have been on the clock ever since. And the second word for time is kairos, and kairos refers not to calendars, not to clocks, not to minute hands, but, but, to, a, but to a window of opportunity. It, it refers to those critical and defining moments to an appointed time. Now, now kairos is what Esther chapter 4 verse 14 is all about. You know, when, when Mordecai, we'll dig in a little bit of the story later, but Mordecai comes to Esther with this powerful, convicting message. If, if you keep silent at this time, liberation deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's house will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. The bottom line, chronos is quantitative. It counts the minutes. Kairos is qualitative. It, it captures the moments. It's carpe diem. It sees the day. In fact, the word kairos is an archery term. And it refers to an arrow that is shot with both the right force and the right aim to hit the target. And if the target is a long distance away, the archer knows that there's going to be many variables he has to take into account. In fact, the archer knows that he actually has to aim off the target to be able to hit the target. So kairos is the ability to evaluate those variables and capture the moment and hit the target. You see, kairos is is so essential. Don't get me wrong, time management, as in chronos, is important too, right? Moses says, teach us to, to number our days, right? And we all know that if we don't take control of our calendar, our calendar will what? It will take control of us. And so you have to establish priorities and you have to establish boundaries. But, but I think even more important than managing our time is redeeming the time. It's capturing the moment. It's carpeing that diem. 
is rescuing from loss those precious grains of sand gifted to us by our Creator and our Lord. And in case you have not guessed by now that the word for time in Ephesians 5 is kairos. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, redeeming the kairos. Bottom line, time may be measured in chronos, but life is measured in kairos. Get it? Good. And see, discerning and rescuing those moments is what it means to redeem the time. I think it's living each day as if it's the first day and the last day of your life. I think it's both seeing and seizing the God-given opportunities that are laid out before us. I think it's being fully present in the, in the right now. I, I think it's understanding that every day is a gift from God and in turn choosing to rejoice and be glad in it. I, I think it's discerning in the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I, I think it's recognizing those moments, those teachable moments, those defining and shaping moments when they are set before us. And here's the deal. If you and I strive to redeem the time, this year can be different. Now, now I read a verse earlier from Esther that really captures the idea of redeeming the time. I, I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. God's people are in captivity. The, the nation of Babylon who initially destroyed Jerusalem and took people captive has been conquered by Persia, but God's people are still captive. Um, Esther is an orphan who's been raised by her uncle, Mordecai. And in the course of time, God does his God thing, and he, he positions her to become the queen of Persia. However, her husband, Artaxerxes, has no idea that she's Jewish. Mordecai had a job working at the king's gate. And, and one day, Mordecai overhears two guys plotting to assassinate the king. He gets word to Esther. E Esther tells Xerxes, giving credit to Mordecai, and all this was recorded in the book of the history of King Xerxes' reign. And you may want to save that for later. Now, there's a bad guy in the story. He's the antagonist. His name is Haman. He's a very high official within the, within the Persian Empire. And he hates Jews, and he especially hates Mordecai. Because Mordecai refused to kneel and to bow down before him and give him honor. So Haman manipulates the king and to issue a decree to have all Jewish people <clears throat> executed within the year. Now, when Mordecai hears of the decree, he sends word to Esther, letting her know that, hey, she has to do something about it. And this is, she's kind of hesitant because she knows that even though she's queen, if she goes before the king without being summoned, he could choose to execute her. So Mordecai sends word. If you keep silent at this time, liberation and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I mean, it seems like the worst of situation, right? I mean, they are on the brink of genocide. Can you imagine how frightened and hopeless the Jewish people were feeling? I mean, like, like what if it... And it's hard for us to imagine because it's not true. 
Uh, but what if later this week, while you're watching a UVA basketball game or reruns of Gilligan's Island, right? Some of you like, are saying, what is it? Gilligan's Island, right? Like I just showed, like, you know, you know what I said yesterday? This is crazy. And when I said it, I said, I cannot believe I said this. We're talking about this guy at church. And he's maybe going to help out with K- uh, KOZ, our boys' ministry. And I said, yeah, the dude's retired. And he's really, he's a young guy. He's under 60. And I go, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I just said he's a young guy and he's under, anyhow, has nothing to do with my message. But it was crazy, though. I actually, actually said that. But Gilligan's Island, you can Google it, uh, you young people. Um, but, but imagine if it was interrupted and it's, a, it's the Oval Office and they zoom in on the president and he says, today I've signed Executive Order 43 into law, which states that with America's best interests in mind, that on February the 10th, 2020, all Christians, men, women, and children, are to be taken from their homes, schools, and places of employment, the property confiscated, and then promptly executed without exemption. Good night. How would you feel? What would you do? Now, for us, it's just hypothetical, right? At least for now. But for Esther, it, it was a soon approaching reality. They were quickly losing hope as that day approached. Mordecai, however, had a different perspective. You see, he believes that God was, was setting things up and that God has perfectly positioned Esther to save his people. If you keep silent at this time, liberation and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's house will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. He's basically saying, Esther, don't think if you like, like chicken out here, right, that, that you're going to escape. Because when it's found out that you're, you're Jewish, you'll suffer as well. And he said, Esther, if you refuse to step up, God's going to send somebody else. You know, I, I love Mordecai's understanding of the sovereignty of God. He knows that God will accomplish all he intends to accomplish regardless of Esther's involvement. Yes, she's important, but she is not indispensable. And bottom line, if Esther refused to redeem this moment, her kairos time, she would miss out on an opportunity to serve God, save her people, give God glory. However, she would not tie the hands of God. God's will will always be done. His purpose will always advance with or without her help. Understand, you and I will never, we will never stop the plans our God has in this world. But we can and we often do forfeit our awesome opportunity to be a part of it. When we refuse to redeem the time. Yet God wants us to be involved, y'all. But listen, you and I, we are not indispensable to what God wants to do in this world. Get it? Good. I was going to have you turn to the right and left and say you're not indispensable. That could have not gone well. So. <laughs> the third thing that Mordecai was saying to Esther is, is this. Esther, God has put you exactly where he wants you to be. Esther, this is your purpose in life. This is the life God created you. This is your kairos moment. Redeem it. Esther, you may not understand how you got here. Or why you are even here. And maybe you don't even like where you are right now. 
But I want you to know that where you are at this very moment is because God put you here to accomplish his purpose and will through your life. If you only redeem the time for him. Understand where you are right now, where I am right now, at this very moment, we are there because God wants to accomplish his will through our lives, even if we don't really want to be where we are. Does that make sense? God has you where you are right now to use you where you are right now for his purpose and his glory, even if we don't necessarily like it. And so as we wrap up this series, this year's can be different. I just want to share a simple yet powerful truth that if you and I will take hold of, will help us redeem the time and capture our Kairos moment. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound like a platitude. It's going to sound like something that you should put on a t-shirt or on a, on a coffee cup. It sounds like a Sunday school answer, but it's still true. Okay, to redeem the time, you need to trust God's timing and keep doing good. Trust God's timing and keep doing good. You know, I think one of the hardest things for me to trust about God is God's timing. I mean, it's rarely my timetable. <laughs> and trusting God's timing is not easy, but it's so critical. And what makes it so hard for us to trust God's timing is we live in a culture of now and instant, right? Uh, when the Russian comedian Yakov Smirnov immigrated to America, he was asked, you know, what most impressed him about America? And he said, grocery stores. Grocery stores. They said, uh, he, he said, I'll never forget walking down the aisle and, 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 and I saw powdered milk. You just add water and you get milk. And, and then I saw a shelf that had powdered orange juice. You just add water and you have orange juice. Then I walked down the aisle and I saw baby powder. And I said, what a country. What a country. <laughs> Just say, what did you get a baby? But it's true, right? I mean, we want powdered dreams, powdered marriages, powdered promotions, powdered blessings, powdered promises, powdered health. But we know that's not how it works in life or especially in the kingdom of God. And instead, it works more like Paul describes in the fifth chapter of his book to the church in Galatia. Sixth chapter, rather. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man what? A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Do not become weary in doing good. Hey, honesty check. Have you ever grown weary in doing good? Have you, ever, have you ever grown weary in doing the right thing? All right. My gosh. And, and why is that? I mean, for, here, here's what it's for me. Because after all the sowing, man, I, I ain't reaping nothing, right? That's why, right? I'm doing all this sowing. <laughs> and I, I'm like, hey, where's the harvest? It's not here. What's going on? Do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, there's our friend again, Kairos, reap a harvest if we don't give up. 
Listen, we cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. You can't cheat the system. There are no shortcuts. There there are no cheat codes. You're going to reap what you sow. And if you stop sowing, guess what? You're not what? You're not going to reap. Now, let me make an observation about God and you're not going to like it. And I don't like it. But it's so important for you and I in understanding the way that God works. And here's the observation. God doesn't always reward good deeds on the spot. God doesn't always reward good deeds on the spot. You see, sometimes there's a time-delayed blessing. There's a time-delayed response. There's a time-delayed reward. In fact, sometimes... The blessing, hear me, sometimes the blessing and reward is not even something you and I get to experience on this side of our forever. No, God does not always reward good deeds on the spot. And I so wish he did. Now, the story of Esther is such a great example of the power and purpose behind a delayed reward and blessing. Again, the people on the brink of genocide. Haman hates Mordecai. He comes with a plan. He can't even wait for the genocide to happen. He wants to kill Mordecai sooner. So he erects a 75-foot pole, sharpens it, and his plan is, I'm going to ask permission of the king to impale Mordecai on that pole. But on the eve of this intended execution, God shows up and he shows off. Esther 6.1. Here's what happens. That night the king could not sleep. And I think this is a, this is a case of sovereign insomnia. Now, now sometimes I can't sleep because I ate the wrong thing at the wrong time or too much of the wrong thing. Sometimes I can't sleep because, to be honest, I'm, trying, I'm finding a hard time winding down from watching a great team win their sixth Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't sleep at all. How many times can I rewatch all those highlights, right? Okay. Couldn't sleep at all last night. Um, but sometimes the reason I can't sleep, the reason I wake up and can't go back to sleep is because God has something he wants to talk to me about, something he wants to do. Again, that night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign. So he brought it in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bithana and Teresh, two great names, um, the two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Now, that, that event happened a long time ago, and it, it had gone pretty much unnoticed, it had gone unrewarded. And if I'm Mordecai, this would be frustrating to me because. This is a moment that I I want the promotion, right? Because I I want my good deed to be rewarded on the spot, to be rewarded immediately. But often God has a different timeline and a different plan that that God is working. And and what goes on there is just classic, right? So Haman comes in and he he sits down with coffee with the king. He's about to say, hey, you know what? I, I want permission to kill Mordecai. Before he gets to say that, the king says, hey, I got a question. Several years back, there was this guy named Mordecai, and he, he, he uncovered a plot to assassinate me. What was ever done to honor this man? <laughs> he even goes, nothing was done. He goes, 
that's not good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to throw a parade for him. I want you to put my robe on him. I want him to ride my horse. I want you to lead the parade, Haman. And as you lead the parade, I want you to shout out, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. A few days later, God continues to flip the script. Haman is impaled on uh, the 70-foot pole in his backyard. God's people are saved from genocide, and Mordecai becomes second only to the king. I just love it when God shows up and God shows off. I mean, think about this. What are the chances that, that, that Xerxes would have insomnia on that very night? Um, one in 365, right? And, and, and now, as a ruling monarch, Xerxes probably had a huge library. We don't know the exact size, but it's probably around the size of Ashurbanipal's library, the last king of Assyria. His library was discovered in the 19th century, and it had 30,943 volumes. So the chances of Xerxes of that huge library pulling off that one book would be one in 30,943. Now we have no idea how many pages were in the record of the reign of the kings. For fun, this week I went online and looked up the correctional, the 116th Congress met on Wednesday and they recorded everything that day. It's 200 pages if you want to read it. It's great reading. You actually can read it. You probably don't want to read it. All right. Yeah, 200 pages. And Xerxes reigned for 21 years. So let's just say the record of his reign was 1,000 pages. I mean, really conservative. So the odds of Xerxes that very night grabbing that very book and reading that very page were 1 in 11,294,195,000. I think that's when you start to figure out that God just might be part of the equation. Amen? Amen. And, and here's the point. Just because you cannot see God moving does not mean that God is not moving. Amen? Amen? And just because it hasn't happened yet does not mean it's not going to happen. Now understand, there is a God, a sovereign God, who is ordering your footsteps and who's preparing in advance the good works for you to do. And sure, Mordecai may have felt a little forgotten, a little neglected. Come on, God, I, I saved the life of the king, and here we are on the brink of genocide. What's going on? But listen, God knows what he's doing. And what he was doing was making sure that, that Mordecai's good deed would be rewarded at the Kairos time, right? At the exact time, in the exact way. You see, sometimes when we are faithful here, God chooses to bless us there. <laughs> I wish it was here. I'm being real. Right? I wish it was here. But it's often there. And that's hard for me. I gotta be honest. I, like, like, I wanna reap right after I sow, right? I, just, I sowed, I wanna reap. But it doesn't happen that way. And when it doesn't happen that way, I get weary. I get discouraged, I get depressed. And I feel like saying those four words to God that are pretty much a part of every family road trip. You know those four words that form a question? And it gets asked soon, it gets asked often. It gets asked with a whining, obnoxious intensity that is designed to drive parents crazy. Are we there yet? <laughs> you see, we suffer in our day what is sometimes called Destination and patience. Are we there yet? 
And foolish parents, rookie parents, new parents will try to take care of this by giving false assurance. We're almost there. Just a little bit longer. Almost. I think that's a mistake. In fact, I would say to our kids, no, we're not almost there. We're not even close to being there. And this is going to go on and on and on and on, so stop whining. Or we'll never get there, and we'll spend the rest of our lives in this car driving each other crazy. And that's why my children are still in therapy. (laughs) But seriously, that question, are we there yet? It's not only part of the human condition, it's also part of the spiritual condition experienced by God's people, right? We see throughout the Bible. Noah's hammering on a wooden ark for 100 plus years. We're there yet? Abram and Sarah waiting for that child. Are we there yet? A Joseph thrown in a pit, thrown into slavery, in prison. Are we there yet? Moses and God's people wandering around for 40 years. Are we there yet? David anointed to be the next king, forced to hide in caves with a price on his head by King Saul. Are we there yet? Mordecai and Esther living in captivity in a foreign land, far from home, waiting for the time of captivity to end. Are we there yet? Listen, this year can be different if we trust God's timing and we keep doing good. If we fight off our weariness, if we fight off the weariness of not yet and keep doing the good thing, keep doing the right thing. Understand, if we do that, If we do the right thing day in and day out, God in his perfect Kairos timing is going to show up and he's going to show off. So brothers and sisters, let's redeem the time in 2019. Let's trust in God's timing and do good. And let's not become weary in doing good for the proper time. Kairos will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Here's the deal. God's going to bless you here, there, or somewhere. It may not be now. May not be. But listen, it will always, it will always be now or later, right? May not be now. But it will always be now or later. You know, if Mordecai were here this morning, I think he would tell us to redeem the time. To trust in God's time and keep doing good. Even when the reward, the blessing, the reaping, and the harvest is delayed. Yeah, I think Mordecai, he would tell us to to hang in there. He would tell us, don't give up. He would tell us to keep doing the good thing, to keep doing the right thing. He he, he would tell us to keep sowing. Because if you stop sowing, you'll stop reaping. He, He would tell us, don't allow the attitude of why bother and what's the point. Ever thought that during a delayed promise? Why bother? He would say, don't let that grow and take over your life. Keep sowing. I think he would tell you, hey, just because you can't see God moving, that doesn't mean he's not moving in your life. And just because it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. He would say, trust in God's timing and keep doing good and watch God show up and show off. And remember, as I said, sometimes the blessing and the reward is not even something we'll get to experience on this side of our forever. But listen, the showing off, 
the reward of the blessing in our forever will blow our minds. It is more than we could ever even begin to imagine. As Paul said in, in Romans eight eighteen, I consider that our, our, our present suffering are not worth comparing to the glory that one day will be revealed. Again, sometimes the reward, right? I mean, for someone who wants it now, I, I want a powdered reward, a powdered blessing, right? You know, it's hard, right? It, it, it's hard to, to acknowledge that my reward and my blessing, I may not get to experience it on this side of my forever. But my goodness, it, but I know what? If I stop, if I stop sowing, I'm not going to experience there either. Does that make sense? You may not, you may not get it till there. And we need to be okay with that. Are you? Am I? Hope so. Need to get there. So, you're not there yet? Then redeem the time. And trust in God's time and keep doing good for as long as it takes. You see, redeeming the time means praying for as long as it takes. It means believing for as long as it takes. It means not giving up for as long as it takes. It means doing the good and the right thing for as long as it takes. It means knocking and seeking and asking for as long as it takes. It means sowing in our marriages, in our relationships, in our ministries, in our lives for as long as it takes. It means trusting in God's timing and doing good for as long as it takes. Do not become weary in doing good. For at the proper kairos time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Are we there yet? Not yet. One day, but not yet. It could be a long time. Probably will. It's okay. Be patient. Because it's coming. Yes, brothers and sisters, your reward, your harvest is coming. Your reward and your harvest is coming. At the proper time, at the proper kairos time, either here, right, or there. If, if you do not lose heart and give up. Be very careful then how you live. Not as wise, not as unwise, what is wise? Redeeming the time. Father God, we humbly come before you. And, and God, I thank you for the fact, God, that even when I can't see you working, you are. And God, I thank you that just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it's not. And God, I have a hunch, Lord, that there's more people than just me who have sowed and have sowed and have sowed and keep going out looking for that harvest to reap and they haven't seen it yet. God, I pray that we, I pray that I will not become weary of doing good, of doing what's right, God, that I will trust your timing, God, that we will trust your timing and keep doing good. Keep doing what you want for as long as it takes because we know, God, that we will reap a harvest 
either here or later, if we don't give up. Help us not to give up, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.